All right, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we are. We are going to conclude what we began learning three weeks ago. This is the fourth week. Um, there's a little piece left that I didn't teach yet. And uh, let's go. Let's go right for it. We were talking about, in the last few classes, about heaven and earth. Heaven and earth as it is today. The heaven and the earth of the future. Um, the heaven and the earth, spiritually heaven and the earth. We were learning that Adam Arishon, Adam was put into Gan Eden, into the Garden of Eden. The purpose was to work the garden and to, and to um, guard the garden. And how was Adam going to do that through his Torah and his mitzvot? And what is he doing? What is the main point over here is to draw God himself into the garden as opposed to just a tiny little trickle of divine light that's in the garden, to draw Hashem down. And that idea of being able to do that, we learned, is related to um to what it says that god says the heaven is my throne the idea of a throne is a chair and the idea of a chair is when a person sits down on a chair sitting down on a chair means lowering oneself down so the point over here is to cause god to sit down on the heavens that means the heavens is below god god created heaven and earth and even the spiritual most sublime worlds they're just part of the construct of creation, which is tiny and insignificant, which can only bear a tiny little ray of God, because if it would receive more, it would be completely destroyed. Yet, that's the job of the human being, to, to invite God Almighty himself into creation. How do we do that? How do we bring God first into the heaven, and eventually we bring him onto earth? Because the verse says, a, per, a verse in Isaiah and Yeshaya. It says, "Shemaim kisi, the heaven on my on my throne, ragli, and the land, the earth, is my place, my footstool." So first, we got to bring God into heaven, and then from heaven, we bring Him onto earth. We bring Him into paradise. We bring Him into the spiritual realms above. It's what it says in Shira Shira and elsewhere. It says, "Basi legani." God says, "I myself have come to my garden." It means that it's not just a array of Him, a projection of Him, but He Himself. Now, how, how do we accomplish that? So we learned it's through the heaven inside of us because we discussed earlier that there is the heaven and the earth in the soul itself. The heaven inside of us is the part of, is our transcendent soul, the elements of our soul that are transcendent, the parts of our soul that are not enclosed in the body. We learned that there are five names to the soul, which means five levels of the soul. The, the lower three are more invested in the body. The upper two, the, what's called chayachid, are infinite powers. And when we trigger our heaven in us, which are our transcendence of our soul, which means we create within ourselves a super rational love to God, fire in our soul, we fire up our heaven. Remember we discussed in the, in the classes that heaven is made up of fire. We create this, this uncontrollable fire and thirst to Hashem, which we learned currently, this is an important point, to create such a fire, you can only do that when you're in a body. Because only in a body, when you have obstacles and things that obscure, through the negative and through the, the constrictions on the soul, when the soul is all cozy and fuzzy with God, it doesn't experience this, this fire. It's when we're distant, when we're blocked, because of the blockages, because of the separation, that's when it bursts forth. And this yearning and this longing, which as we learned earlier, is the primary focus of prayer. Prayer is supposed to bring out not our rational, logical love to God, but a super rational, intense, fiery rapture of love. When we reach out to God from that place, that reaches and that triggers and that touches 
the transcendence of God and brings God down to sit down on the throne, which means that he himself lowers himself down into creation. And sometimes that concept is called rutso. Rutso means the racing of the soul. We trigger within ourselves a desire to break free from the limitations and and of our definitely of our body, but even of the entire construct of, fi of finite existence, we want to break out of all of that and reach God Himself. Then, after we do that, there's next phase, and that is when we suddenly realize: yes, we're racing upwards, we're 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 hurtling with powerful force, with dynamite, as we shoot ourselves out of there, like being shot out of a cannon. Our soul shoots out with powerful flames of love to reach god then we then we have then we have an opposite consideration and that is once we behold who we're standing before we shrivel in fear when we shrivel in fear what does that do before his awesome majestic greatness and that causes us to be humbled and we realize who am i and what am i to 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 to, to reach for god himself you know to, to to knock on his door who am i instead let me find out what god wants and when I find out that God wants the sidewalk uh, painted where there was no parking, where you're not allowed to park, he wants a little, that we should put red red paint in the no parking zone and the green paint by the 15, 15, 15 minute or five minute parking loading zone. And that's what God wants. So instead of me, you know, flapping my wings and, and, and soaring through the heavens, instead I get grab, I quickly go grab a, a, a bucket of paint. And I go and prove the world the way God wants to. I'm giving, of course, a silly example, but that's the idea. Instead of being all, all, all crazy about God, I decide to listen to what he asks us to do. And that's the, the meaning of, the, of descending back into the world to fixing this world and making it a, a godlier, better place. Now that avoda of coming back down here, that brings God down also, that God doesn't only manifest in the heavens in Gan Eden, in the supernal paradise, but rather God comes down all the way to reveal himself into physical objects in the physical world, and that is the doing, the deeds of mitzvahs. And that's the concept that we say, that God says, the earth is my footstool, which means through your earth, which is your humility, I come down to earth and I place my feet on earth, that even earth becomes infused with godliness. This has been the subject of the two classes that we gave this week the Dvar Malchus classes, you can listen, the key to redemption classes, and this week and last week, this was all the subject of filling earth itself with godliness. Fine. These two powers are called Ratzai Veshuv. The racing power is the heaven inside of us, and the, that's the excitement, that's the fervor, that's the fire in us, and the other power is the earth in us, or the water in us, which descends downward, and it's the humility that brings God down. Now, another important point. This is the heaven and earth that we have currently. But then, in the very same chapter in Isaiah, it says, that in the future, God says, I'm going to create a new heaven and I'm going to create a new earth. So what's the new heaven? We learned that after we are done with our work of creating this heaven and earth, which means substantiating a world in which God resides in, God descends into this world. Now there is a new heaven and a new earth, which means God is going to 
bless our efforts after we are done, and he is going to engage with us on a much higher level. He's going to also come down into heaven. But more than what we've done, we've drawn him down through creating, making the heaven a throne for him. Hashem's heaven is going to be higher than God having a throne. But in that verse, it says the new heaven and the new earth. It doesn't say that God will sit in the heaven and the earth. It says they stand before me. The difference between a throne and standing before me is a throne is to the backside of God. Standing in front of me, before me, means also in front of me to the face of God. Which means that even this novelty that we have been blessed, that we have the ability to affect that Hashem should descend down onto heaven and the earth and bring God down, it's, it's still God's backside which means the external element of the divine, that which the creations can somewhat tolerate. We can't even tolerate that. We could tolerate that. But there is the inside, the other side of God, the inner side, his true self as he is for himself, that we can't, that can't be affected by our work. That has to come. God gifts it to us. He blesses our labors after we did the best of creating our heaven and earth. Hashem tops it off with his heaven and earth. And that is going to be the new heaven and earth. There's going to be, remember, we spoke in the seventh millennium. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And that heaven and that earth is going to be containing God's inner self. And how is it going to be facilitated? It's, it's still, we still play a role. We still have to be involved and engaged in it. But we're going to be engaged with it because God is going to send down new souls that were not part of Adam's soul. A whole new type of a soul. We learned last week. Superior souls. And those souls are going to, they're going to be the, the activators of the new heaven and the earth. Those souls are not considered in any way separated from God. So when those new souls create that reality, it's as if God himself is making it. And we're going to hitch a ride onto those souls. And then the last point of the discourse was that that high heaven and earth, which God is going to perform, is not going to cancel our heaven and our earth. All the good deeds we, we, we did, which only brought down the backside of God, we might kind of, you know, it's only going to be around for a short period of time. Then we enter into the seventh millennium and then it's, then we're, it's overshadowed by God's heaven and God's earth, which is so much more spectacular. We might feel like, you know, all of our work was like meaningless. So therefore God says, no, I'm going to, your plantings, we learned last week in the end of the class, your plantings and your name, which means your work that you've done, is going to be upgraded into that heaven and earth. God's going to like integrate it into the future heaven and the earth. It will always be sensed that even the new heaven and the new earth, we created it. It will have pieces of our heaven and, and our earth embedded in it, so to speak. That's what we learned up till now. Now there's one last piece, chapter 6 in the discourse. I was planning to learn also the explanation on the discourse that comes afterwards, but I didn't. That's not going to happen for whatever reason, which I'm not going to give excuses for right now. Instead, I'm just going to learn the last piece over here, which I also don't understand. 
well enough, but I'm going to make an attempt. So let's try. Now it is mentioned in Midrash Rabbah. Parshas Emar. That's in Leviticus, in Medrash, in Parshas Emar. Saif Perichov, that's where it speaks about all the holidays, in the end of chapter 29, where it speaks about Rosh Hashanah. So it speaks about the, over there, there's the Parsha of all the holidays, including Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, we know, is a day of blowing. So the verse says, Yom Teruah, it should be a day of blowing. We blow the shofar. Yilachem, you should, and it says, you should offer up a sacrifice. You should make, you should make before me a burnt offering. Now the midrash picks up on a little nuance. Rosh Hashanah is is one of the holidays amongst the whole list of holidays, starting with Passover. Passover is the first. Then is Shavuot, the holiday of the giving of the Torah. Then comes Rosh Hashanah. Then comes Yom Kippur, and finally comes Sukkot. These are the five holidays the Torah speaks about. Each of them have sacrifices. By every single one of them, it says you should offer a sacrifice. He craft them, which means to offer. Rosh Hashanah is, is the only exception. It doesn't say you should offer a sacrifice. It says you should make a, a burnt offering. Not you should offer. Usually for the words for offer is he craft them. That's the usual word. He craft them. You should bring close, because that's the idea of a sacrifice. You bring it close to God. Here it says, which means you should make it, which is strange. Make a sacrifice? Offer a sacrifice. So that's what the Midrash points out. By all the sacrifices, by all the, sorry, by all the additional sacrifices which we offer, especially regarding the celebration of the holiday. It says, it says you should offer. Vikan and over here va'asisem. Over here it says you should make. So the midrash therefore gives a midrashic explanation, and it says since today is Rosh Hashanah and I am renewing the world. Rosh Hashanah means the beginning of the year, so you should realize that you are yourselves complete new beings that I just made you today. You should refresh yourself like new creations. It's as if we're supposed to see ourselves, Rosh Hashanah, as brand new people, brand, brand new existence, brand new creation without any, any baggage from the past. It's as if we were literally created today before God. That's a very important feeling to have in Rosh Hashanah because sometimes we're, we can't kind of plan future growth and because we we're, we're, we're weighed down by past failures by past problems god says i want you to see today as if i made you fresh new being you're you're fresh off the off the press you're a whole new entity you're off the assembly line right now a brand new car was never used you're a whole new entity that's the concept and now Hashem says, as if today is a new, you became a new being. You're a new creation. Now the Midrash could have stopped over here. But the Midrash continues to say, and this is what it says. Like the new the, the, Midrash, the Midrash supports itself with a verse from Isaiah. The verse that is that we're discussing over here, the opening verse of this discourse, 
like the new heavens that I am creating. So the Midrash says, you should look at yourself like a new creation, just like there is a concept of a new world. Why? Because in the future, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So you should already see yourself every Rosh Hashanah like a new creation. In the new heaven and the new earth, there will be a whole new, everybody will be new. So see yourself now as a new creation, like similar to the new heaven and new earth that's going to be in the future. This is the words of the Midrash. Tzadok Lohavin, now that the, 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 the mimer asks, Mao, in Yana Sisim what does this mean? That you've now become new and that it's similar to the new heaven. Our renewal on Rosh Hashanah is compared to the new heaven of the future. I understand Rosh Hashanah, God wants us to say, listen, I'm, I'm forgiving the past. It's as if there has never been anything. Today we start all brand new. I'm turning over a new leaf. It's a new page. You're, you're a brand new creator. I get that. But what does it have to do with the new heaven and the new earth of the future? That's what he's asking. Now we can explain that. And second of all, first of all, on Rosh Hashanah, there's no, there's no new heaven and new earth. If anything, God is saying, you human, I, I am considering you as a new being. So what does it have to do with, with a new heaven and an earth? So, and also the future heaven and the earth. So this is where he's going to, it is explained in Tanya, in the letters, in the back of Tanya, the fourth uh, portion of Tanya. Tanya is compiled of four sections. The fourth section of Tanya is letters that they collected after the Alter Rebbe passed away. After his initial book was published, Tanya was compiled in a few in a few times. First, it was published just with two two parts to it, and then it was added and published a third time with a third section, the portal of Chuva, the letter of Chuva, and then it was published a fourth time after the Alter Rebbe passed away, with letters that they found that he wrote Torah letters where he explained concepts of Hasidus. And they found it by various different students. They asked the students to bring those letters. They compiled a whole section of the Alter Rebbe's letters. And that's called the Geras HaKodesh, the Holy Letters. So in chapter 14 of these Holy Letters, al Pasuki, the Alter Rebbe begins with the Pasuk, Eretz asher Hashem Sashana. Now, by the way, most of these letters were letters that the Alter Rebbe sent to communities to inspire them to give tzedakah. For charity, primarily to give tzedakah for Israel. Right now, it's this is something that everybody's doing. There's a whole lot of tzedakah that everybody's sending to the Holy Land because there's so much needed. So, in his days, there were Jews who went to settle the land of Israel. There were Hasidim who went there. There were people that went there, and the, and the people in Israel they had no means of making a living. There was nothing there. It was a barren land. So they were relying on their brethren back in Europe. So the Alter Rebbe was one of the collectors, one of the fundraisers for them. And he would send letters. But in order to inspire the people to give tzedakah, he would explain the awesomeness of the tzedakah that you give and why, how, how, what kind of effects it has, especially if you're doing it for the Jews in the land of Israel. Okay. On one of these letters, he opens with a verse which says that God's eyes are upon the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And the Alter Rebbe asks a question over there. 
Why does it say God's eyes are on the, upon the land, which means showing how special the land of Israel is, that God is always particularly looking at the land of Israel? And But what does it mean from the beginning of the year to the end of the year? If God's eyes are on the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, means that, it's, that his eyes are on the land all the time. Because as soon as the year ends, starts the next year. And since his eyes are on the land from the beginning to the end, that means he's always looking. So why emphasize the beginning and the end of the year? It has nothing to do with it. He never takes his eyes off the land of Israel. That's it. His unique providence and his unique gaze of the land of Israel, he's always watching over it. If that's the case, what's the emphasis from the beginning of the year to the end of the year? So the Alter Rebbe gives a deep mystical explanation. It explains, in addition to the land of Israel being the physical earth down here, the attribute of kingship, which is the source of all of creation, is called the land. So it says God's eyes are on the land, means God is continuously charging his attribute of kingship. Because the attribute of kingship sometimes is compared to the moon that doesn't have anything of its own. It needs to receive from higher levels of divine, of, 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 the, of, the, of the realms of godliness. It needs constant channeling. It needs constant empowerment. The flow of energy needs to flow from the upper realms into spheres and into the attribute of kingship. To imbue in her so that, the, so that then the Shekhinah, which is the attribute of kingship, can alive in the world. Now, the Alter Rebbe says that that infusement, that God... Just one second. That that infusement, that Hashem infuses the land of Israel continuously with his... With, I'm sorry, the Shekhinah, with, is something that, that happens really... God gives it in increments. Hashem imbues the Shekhinah with life. With for a, He gives it a yearly contract. It, and when does it happen? On Rosh Hashanah, God infuses the Shekhinah, which is a source of creation, with, with vitality and energy to sustain all of creation for a one-year period. And that's what it means is eyes is on the land. Eyes is, where is the energy coming from? From the first of the ten sefirot, which is called Chachma. Chachma is plugged into the Ein Sof, to the infinite. From the eyes, which is Chachma, because, chach, because the, uh, a wise man is someone who can see. That's why. Ezo Chacham Haroa. Also, the, 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 the leaders of the Jewish people, the, the wise men of the Jewish people, are called Eineha Eida, the eyes of the assembly. So the eyes represent Chachma, the supernal attribute of Chachma, which is Embed, which is unified with the infinite, he puts his eyes on the land, means he delivers energy to the Shekhinah, to Malchus, from Chachma to Malchus. And that infusion is from the beginning of the year, and for how long to the end of the year? It's not continuous forever. What happens at the end of the year? It expires. And God kind of, the, the, the energy goes away, returns back to its source, and, and then but on Rosh Hashanah, a new energy. Every year it's a new energy. And the Alter Rebbe says something very powerful. Every year, it's not just a new infusion. Every infusion, as time passes, is always deeper and higher than it ever was. God is falling more and more and more in love with his creation from year to year. 
Not like some people think, oh, God must be so angry and so frustrated and so on. God is not like us. He doesn't listen to CNN all day long. He doesn't watch the news in the negative. He sees all the virtuous acts done by millions of people. God gets such a kick out of it that Thursday night, instead of watching basketball or whatever else people might be doing, you're sitting and watching the YouTube and listening to this class. This is where he sees that there, there, is, there is who to talk to. This world is a world where people are seeking connection to him. This is just a tiny example. All the millions and billions of other good deeds that are done. And that makes God, from year to year, love the world and connect to the world on a deeper level than he's ever done before. That's the concept. That's what it says from the beginning of it to the end of the year. The end of the year, it stops, and then it continues. Okay. Um, so there, let's read it inside. From the beginning of the year, every Rosh Hashanah, it draws down a new light. A new light, a higher light, from a higher place in the supernal wisdom, deeper in the wisdom, higher, to illuminate and to shine to the supernal earth, which is called Malchus, which is the source of creation. And from there comes the, re, the rejuvenation of creation every Rosh Hashanah. Every Rosh Hashanah, the world is... So it's not just God judges the world. God actually kind of recreates, regenerates creation every Rosh Hashanah. If so, we can understand that if the if if the supernal earth is regenerated, kind of it expires the night of Rosh Hashanah and it's recreated. So actually, every Rosh Hashanah there is a new earth. It's a new earth. So now we can understand already why it relates to the new earth that's going to be in the future. In a small little way, even though in the future we're talking about a complete level, a a level that is that is a quantum leap from anything that we've ever had. It's like a whole new heaven and earth. It's not just recreating kind of what was before. It's on a whole new level. In a small little way, every year the earth is a whole new level. Especially since it's not just God, it's not just recreating. It's not like it stops and he recreates it on the same level like last year. Every year it's a notch higher. So which means it really is a new earth. And that's the relationship that God is saying, you're also new. Because if earth is new, the source of life is new. The source of life is the source of life to everything, especially to the souls. So the souls are kind of recreated every Rosh Hashanah. As he's going to tell us even stronger soon, that it's literally, we're, we're, we're a new soul on Rosh Hashanah. God it's it's it, it, It's really a birthday for our Neshama. The Imkain, and if so, based on this, so this is like a new earth. If the earth is now upgraded to a whole new level of life force, so it's like a new earth. Magam, and especially, because definitely, when we say it's every Rosh Hashanah is a new download from Chachma to Malchus, he wants this, I think what he wants with this line is to show you how new it is is that it, it's not a higher level of Chachma that's just downloading, but in Chachma it has always been there. But it's actually a new brainstorm in Chachma itself. In other words, it's the, the rejuvenation is not just happening in Malchus, that the, that the creation is receiving a new infusion from Chachma, but in Chachma this idea was already there. 
it really is new creative light in Chachme itself. If so, it's really new. It's a whole new idea. It's a whole new creation. As he says over here, Vadai, definitely, Gam Bechachme Allah, even in the supernal Chachma, Nimshech Or Chadarzeh Mumayla. This new light is not just stagnant sitting for thousands of years in Chachma. It's a new light in God's wisdom as well. Dugmas Yichud Chachma Ubino Similar to what is discussed in other places regarding the mystical union of Chachma and Bina, of wisdom and understanding that happens in Shema. What's the, what's the, what's the connection? We learn in Chassidah, in Kabbalah, it says that when we say Shema every day, which is the primary point in prayer, our saying of Shema triggers and, 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 and creates a union between Chachma and Bina, between these two Sefirot. Chachma is really connected still to the Ein Sof. Bina is already the underlying um, uh, um, um, map of creation. Bina is already a structure. Chachma is beyond structure. So when you infuse Chachma into Bina, you're bringing like a new infusion of light every day into creation. So it's a powerful infusion. That's what it says in, in Arizal, in the 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 Kavanas, when the Arizal gives you the, the Kabbalistic intentions to have during prayer. He says that when you say Shema Yisrael, you should have in mind that there is a fusion, a zivug between Chachmabi. In Hasidus, it explains that even though we are attributing this to Chachmabina, it's not really Chachmabina. What it really means is that you're drawing, you're literally pumping new light from the infinite. Not from Chach, not from the spheros. It's something much higher than the spheros. It's just the first place it manifests. It's like a flash of light in the head, and then the flat, which is the Chachma, and the Chachma passes it on to Bina. We're, we're, we're connecting it to Chachma and Bina because the idea is new energy is actually entering into the system. But it's really from much higher than Chachma and Bina. It's in going higher and higher all the way to the Ein Sof. So similar to that idea that every zivug of Chachma and Bina is not originating in Chachma. It's coming from Keter and beyond from the, from the Ein Sof. Similar to that, even though in Tanya it says that the new light is only coming from God's eyes into the land, only from Chachma into the land, it's really in truth, really original. It's coming from the Ein Sof. So then we can really call the world Eretz HaChadosha, a new earth. Okay, the Indian Shamayim Chadashim, and what's what's the idea of the new heaven? So he explained the new earth. What's the idea of the new heaven? That's what I thought it means. But I think his next piece over here is not just to explain heaven. It's a deeper understanding of this new heaven and this new earth, more than just Malchus. Firas Malchus has been rejuvenated, and consequently, because of that creation is new but that really it's it's deeper than that there's a new a new soul that's created and as he explains it over here because you realize that in this whole discourse let me put it this way we were learning that the main the main activator of everything of all these incredible concepts these incredible forces the real generator of everything is the human being. Because the human being has heaven inside of him, 
has hurt in him or in her, has earth inside of, 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 inside of them. And when humans activate their heaven and their earth, these two dimensions of their soul, we spoke before, the yearning of the soul, the, the, the humility of the soul, these two factors, this is what generates everything. So what does that mean? That the soul of the, the big cosmic heaven and earth, even the divine heaven of earth, the soul of it is actually our soul. We're the innermost of everything, which is awesome. So if so, if we're talking about a new heaven and a new earth that happens, Rosh Hashanah, we have to, we have to pin it on the inner core. And what's the inner core of it all? The inner core of it all is... is Nishmas Yisrael, is the soul of Israel. So we have to find where on Rosh Hashanah there is a new heaven, a new earth inside of us. So that's what he's going to explain over here. Like it says in the Mimer, Shuva Yisrael, in which he brings in that Mimer, Shuva Yisrael, he brings the Pasuk, the Adaita Yoim, you should know today that God is the only one, in the heavens above, and then it continues, it's a, it's a pasuk we say every day in the Aleinu service. We say you should know today, you should take it to your heart, take it into your heart, that God is the only one in the heavens above and on the earth below. So, over there he explains that when it says you should know God is the only one in the heavens and in the earth, you should realize that this is also personal. God is the only one in your heaven and in your earth. That means he is the only reality of your entire psyche, of your own psyche. And he explains, we have a heaven side inside of us and an earth. He says, that also in the heaven, in the soul, there is heaven and earth, which is seichel omidos, intellect and emotions. Now I'm not sure if he refers to the seichel, I didn't look it up, if it refers to as the seichel as the shamayim and the midos as the arts, the emotions as the earth. Because the reason why, I mean, that's what it seems like, just by a quick read. I think if I would look it up, you know, I'm going to take a second to look it up. This is important because I was getting stuck on this before. So give me a minute. I'm going to look up the mimer. It's in Shuvah Yisrael. It's the first Shuvah Yisrael, because the second Shuvah Yisrael, we learned this here. Got to be the first Shuvah Yisrael. Let's see where he talks about Shemayim Ba'aretz. Oh, yeah, we're holding over here. Beautiful. It says over here. It says in the verse, Okay. Uh -huh. First he shows how in the heaven and the earth, and then he says, Just like there is in the world, heaven and earth. In our own soul, we have a heaven and earth. The soul has 
in general four powers. Seichel, the intellect. Machshava dibur amaisa, thought, speech, and action. So it's interesting. He doesn't mention midos, emotions. At least not yet. So I would say that the seichel and the midos together make up the heaven inside of a person. The inner powers. Let's see, let's see how, why should I say? Let's see what he says. The heaven and the, I'm sorry, the intellect and the thought is called the heaven inside the person. I mean, it's not, I'm not reading from today's mimer. I'm reading from here. And speech and action. Speech and action, that's the earth. So he explains over there. The intellect and the thoughts needs to be filled with only God. And that means that we have to make sure that we keep our minds occupied only with godly material by learning Torah and so forth. And the earth, which is our speech and our behavior, should also fully be permeated with godliness. Oh, so that's what it says over there. Okay. So it's interesting. Over there, he doesn't mention the word the midos. Over here, he does say seichel midos. So I'm not exactly v'yashloimar. Okay, whatever it is, there's a higher human and a lower human, and that's the heaven and the earth in the human soul. V'yashloimar. Here he adds something that does not say over there. Shehem chai v'naran. These are the. Remember, we said earlier, this, this, in the soul itself, there are three. There are five parts. Two, three of them vest themselves in the body, are enclosed in the body, and two powers of the soul are encompassing powers. They're the transcendent elements of the soul. And they're called Chai and Yechida. So the Chai and the Yechida, that's the Shemayim inside of us. We learned that earlier. When you want to activate your Shemayim, we say you have to activate your Yechida. We learned that actually earlier. And the Nefesh Ruach Neshama, because it's vested in, in, in the body, is called the earth inside of us. Come out. Fine. So once we know that there is heaven and earth inside of us, let's see how on Rosh Hashanah there's a new heaven and a new earth. Let's see. Now, in, in the Maimer Sois Asis, which is another Rosh Hashanah discourse, Nizbar, Eich, it explains, Eich Nishmas Odom Arishon Mishadish Bechol Rosh Hashanah. That every Rosh Hashanah, God recreates the soul of Adam. Because what did Hashem create the first Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah is not the birthday of heaven and earth. That happened on the 25th day of the month of Elul. Rosh Hashanah is the first day of Tishrei, which was the sixth day of creation, which is the day God created man. Since it's the anniversary of man, every Rosh Hashanah, God is recreating man. He's recreating the human being. And on a soul level, He's, and we all know that all of our souls are part of Adam's soul. We're just, we're all, we're all sparks and little pieces of Adam's soul. So when we say that God is recreating the soul, it's the collective soul of all of us that's recreated in the, in the, in the, in the creation of Adam Arisha. Because Rosh Hashanah is the day that Hashem created Adam. And we said earlier, 
שהנשמה יש בה מבחינת שמיים וארץ. So if on Rosh Hashanah God is creating Adam's soul all over again, which is all of our souls, and we say that in our Neshama there is a heaven and there is an earth. The transcendent elements of our soul is our heaven, or intellect and thought is our heaven, and speech and action is our earth. Whatever, however you're going to divide it, but that's the idea. There is heaven and earth. And on Rosh Hashanah there is a new Neshama. That means there's a new heaven and earth every Rosh Hashanah. The heaven and earth inside us is recreated on Rosh Hashanah. So this is like a totally, the, the, the new human on Rosh Hashanah is similar to the creation of heaven and earth because the real inner soul of heaven and earth is the heaven and earth that's in the human. That's in the human soul. Gam. Now to spice that even more up, to add even more to that, when we say that God creates Adam every 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 Rosh Hashanah, what is Adam Arishon really? More than just the physical anatomy of Adam. What was Adam? When we say Adam Arishon, the first, it's 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 much more. There's a deeper story over here. It's more than just a physical human being. Yes, that too. That's how it manifested in this world. But what's the spiritual Adam? The spiritual Adam, as explained in Kabbalah, is the level of the supernal Chachma. So when we say that God creates Adam Arishon every Rosh Hashanah, it means there's a whole new construction of, of God creates for himself a whole new mind. It means the, 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 every year is a new concept in existence. It's like, it, it's like, it's, Creation is so is so different every year. Every year is a whole new world, and the power of, of changing things is so powerful because the very brains of God is kind of rewired and recreated. Adam is recreated. It means the whole the whole concept, the whole the whole the whole um, the whole mind. Not even the concept. The mind is a new mind. And from where is he re from where is he regenerated? Adam is created if, if Adam is, is also a feature in God. It's the divine man that's created. It's the divine mind that's created. So who is creating him? God himself, where God is not yet called man. As we learn many times, the sefirot, the attributes, is where God has kind of already lowered himself down and projected himself down into some kind of an image of man. Albeit an infinite man, a supernal man of above, but yet already in the image of man, as opposed to the primordial infinite light transcending that, which is called Keter, the crown. Over there, God is, be, is, is there's a verse that said God is not man. There's a verse that says that, behold, I saw the man sitting on the throne, so God is man. And other places it says he's not man. And the answer is, on a higher level, he's not man. And then he descends to be in a level of man. So the entire human structure of Adam is recreated. The Al-Kain, and if so. So if this is taking place in Rosh Hashanah, 
So we can understand how it's a new heaven and a new earth. I guess Chachma is heaven and Malchus is earth. The whole structure is recreated. The Alkane, therefore, Shemayim Va'aretz Chadashim. So the new heaven and the new earth, since it is the cosmic, cosmic man, it's the cosmic, it's the soul of man, the soul of the human, the soul of the cosmic human that's recreated on Rosh Hashanah, which contains within it heaven and earth. And what did we learn earlier? The heaven inside of us is the fire inside of us. Heaven is primarily made up of fire, which is the racing upward, the energy seeking to return back into the infinite. That's the heaven. That's the fire. Earth is the grounding of God, downward. It's the energy flowing into containers, flowing into, into systems, the, the energy going manifesting itself into, into the world as opposed to escaping the world. So these, these powerful two dynamics, which each and every one of us have, because we're a little piece of Adam's soul. But in Adam's soul, there were these two powers of heaven and earth, which is one of them is a racing upward to become dissolved in God's infinite light, the desire to draw to, into God. And there's another power that it's the gravitational pull that grounds so when we say on Rosh Hashanah, there is a new man, meaning a new, a new human created, it means we have a whole new fire in us and we have a whole new water in us. We have a whole new rutzo and we have a whole new shuv. A racing and a descending energy. An ability to, 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 to yearn and be excited about the spiritual, about the godly, is on, could be, and should be every year on a whole different level. And at the same time, our commitment to improve the world and to live life down here on earth and fill the world with mitzvot and good deeds, imbuing God in the world, should also be on a complete new level every year. Because it's like you, you're, you're, the entire system of heaven and earth is a new heaven and earth. Fundamentally, it's a new heaven and earth. Therefore, the new heaven and the new earth, which are really essentially a new rotsai, a new racing, and a new descent. Now, being that it's, a, I will understand. Uh, if the if the if the entire Adam is being created on. On new, on Rosh Hashanah. Now, listen, when, when, when Hashem created Adam, let me put it this way: When Hashem creates Adam, there was no arousal from below. Usually, the way God operates is that He waits for us to trigger something and He responds. But when God created Adam, there was no arousal from below because there was no one to arouse. He wasn't there a minute before. So it was completely a divine initiative coming from God. God created Adam, and now once Adam is created, Adam, Adam, the human, can engage him. If we say every year Rosh Hashanah, a new human is created from, the, from beyond human, it can't be it's based on what was before, because it's a whole new human. 
the work of last year, which was which was the the heaven and the earth inside of us that brought the heaven and earth above and all that, that's all within the context of last year. Now it's a new year, so God is recreating us. It's almost it's we're going back to day one, so we're going to an Asanusa de Leela. It's on a on a level, so there is a new empowerment for it. And with this new empowerment, we're going to work all year long to stimulate. But on Rosh Hashanah itself. It's a whole new infusion of a new Ratzai and a new Shuv, a whole new being. Again, it's now been drawn from above with a new, with an arousal from above. Why? Where is our Ratzai? Where is our excitement to melt into God coming from? From our higher transcendental parts of our soul, Called Chai and Yechida, these are the two higher parts of the soul. It's not your last year's transcendent soul. That one has been upgraded with a whole new heaven and earth, a whole new. You have a new neshama. So this is so this is it's given to you, which means from an arousal from above. The same is also the lower three parts of our soul. The nefesh, ruach, neshama, which are more grounded in vessels. Shemibchinus aretz, which is also from earth, is also new. It's a new heaven and a new earth. Vizau inyan, and this is the meaning of also, of God says, regarding Rosh Hashanah, right before it says vasisem, remember the Midrash that he quoted at the beginning, vasisem means I'm creating you a new person. It says before that, yoim teruah, it's a day of blowing. It's a day. What is Rosh Hashanah? A day of blowing. Now, when you blow, that's the words. Now he says blowing, especially. I don't know if he means blowing in general or specially the trua. You can say it on blowing in, in general that there is rutzay v'shuv in blowing, because first you inhale. And then you blow. So there is an inwardness and an outwardness. That's in general blowing. In trua, what is a trua? It's tiny little sounds. The tiny little sounds represent constantly in, out, in, out, in, out. So God is saying this is a day of, why? Because, you see, once someone, once we are created, and we're sitting with our soul already for, for days and weeks. It's kind of, we're aging a little bit into our existence. So even though we have these dynamics of transcendent yearnings and, 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 and responsibilities that we have to take care of, even though there is this, this constant fluctuation of the up and the down, but they're not necessarily so connected the whole time. In other words, you can have days and like, days and periods of time when you're just like floating in your in your in your transcendent uh energies and there are days that you're like very much into fixing up your life i gotta clean my office i gotta i gotta put everything in order i gotta make order right and we find in our own lives we have find there are days and months when we're more into aspirations into dreams into traveling around the whole world into 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 it's in a sense a little bit of an escape because we want to go to a better place, a higher place. 
And then there are times that we become very obsessed with, no, fixing up my life. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything else. I'm cleaning my closet. That's a shuv. And you can be, and the two can kind of disconnect from each other. They can be like this, and they can be like this. But when the neshama is just created brand new, and kind of these two dynamics were, are just like right off the, we said before, right off the assembly line, the tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock is very powerful, and they're together the whole time. Because they're not yet, there hasn't been any time yet for it to kind of manifest each one on their own. So they're still very close to their beginning and therefore they're together. And that's the, and that's the way really God wants it, that there should always be the in-out. You shouldn't have like periods of just one. There has to constantly, that's really the throbbing of life, the in and out, the in and out. That the heaven and the earth are very tight. It's constant heaven and earth together, not heavenly periods and earthy periods, but it's constantly, you're standing inside heaven and earth at the whole time, in both of them. The idea of tru of, 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 of trua is constant in out, in out. It's it's racing and returning constantly. Shazahu, which is This is the when they are unified together, with perfect unity. Which as discussed in Hasidus, Ratzai Vishuv on a very high level is called, is on the deeper levels, it's not even called Ratzai Vishuv, it's called arriving and not arriving. It says regarding the divine energy that comes to the world, it, it arrives and it doesn't arrive. It touches, it doesn't. So it's like, Maybe like electricity. It's plus and minus. It's yet and no, yet and no, yet and no, at the same time. It, and that's like when, when they're very together. Where the shuv does not get separated from the rotsay. Which, when meaning the return into life, which, the, which when it's not that case, when it's not like that, what happens to us, I'll give an example. What happens to us is that we can go long periods of time that we become very, very enmeshed in our body and we forget about our spiritual selves, our higher aspirations and yearnings. We can go through long periods where, where we're very much settled in, in down here. And that's not good because then you become separated from God. To be constantly attached, that's why Judaism sets up our life to always have elements of Ratzai Vishuv constantly, constantly dancing. They, they waltz together the whole time. And when you're praying, you're, you're racing upwards. When you're studying Torah, you're going down. When you're, when you're, when you're, when you're, uh, Shabbos, you're going up. Already uh, the week, you're going, but they're constantly hugging each other, back and forth, back and forth, as opposed to each one becoming separated. So, this is all what we're saying on Rosh Hashanah, a new heaven and a new earth. A brand new soul with a new tick-tock where you can keep your Ratzai Vashur very, very strongly connected still. Yom Teruah, it's the day of, of blowing. Vasisima. So we can understand its relationship to 
the concept of now what's the connection however to the future heaven and the future okay this is he explained why in rosh hashanah the new human is a new heaven and a new earth because inside the human inside the soul is heaven and earth so when god since we are rosh hashanah recreated as a new human so in a sense but how does it relate to the new heaven and the new earth of the future so that's what he's going to bring over here gam this is where i'm talking about it is explained in the mimer of Atem Nitzavim. That's another Rosh Hashanah mimer. I don't know how suddenly everything falls into Rosh Hashanah today. Like I'm trying to figure a month of Cheshvan now and we're suddenly learning so much about Rosh Hashanah. But in any case, it is explained in the mimer of Atem Nitzavim. All year long, our connection to God is to the backside of God. Like the verse says, behind God you should walk. So our connection to God is considered to the outer, during the year, more to the outside of God. That's why it says, you, 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 we, like there's a verse that says, you're roaring like a lion. Um, why, what is it, the relationship of roaring like a lion? Because we learned that a lion makes an enormous sound. But the sound of the lion, when the lion gives a sound, it's not that the lion is projecting from the deepest inner core of his being. A lion just simply has huge, powerful vocal cords. It's not like the lion is like going on stage and going to give a roar like at the core of his being. A lion, every time he makes a sound, he's like, you know, just a little annoyed, just a little, he gives a, he gives a, and it's, because that's, so it's, it's a powerful sound, but it's considered external. So therefore it's explained in Hasidus that our excitement that we have all year long to get close to God is coming from the external part of our soul. So even if we make a lot of noise doing it, it's more like a lion's roar. It's loud. It's powerful. It makes a ruckus, but it's a lion's roar. But on the on, on the ten on the in the month of Elul and Rosh Hashanah on the high holidays, that's when it's a piercing cry coming from the essence. It's not the roar. It's deep. It's coming from a deep, and therefore it reaches into the face of God, not to the backside of God. So this is very much related to what we were learning earlier that today, current heaven, heaven and earth. Which element of God resides in heaven and earth of today? Only by God's backside. That's why it says it, the heavens are my throne. Throne is where you're sitting, and sitting is mainly relating to the back of a person. But the future heaven and earth is going to stand in front of him, in front of him, representing God's face. So now we understand why on Rosh Hashanah we say we get a new heaven and earth, because we're, we're refurbished, it's a new soul. But since on Rosh Hashanah, what kind of heaven and earth is it? Our, our, our service and our, our, our petitioning and our connecting, connecting ourselves to God, our Ratzah and our Shuvah and Rosh Hashanah is of the new heaven and earth because it's reaching in the inner side of God, not the outside. It's not the back, it's the front. It's the Panemius. So the new heaven and the earth is not like the current heaven and earth. It's similar to the new heaven. That's why the Midrash says regarding I'm creating you new, the Midrash brings the, the new heaven and new earth. 
because it's similar to that because I'm having quality of penis. But in the days, ten days of repentance, seek my face. It would be similar. The work all year long would be similar to the heavens, to the current heavens, where the heavens are my throne, which is considered the back, in comparison to the new heavens, that stand before me, because that is going to engage God's inner side, inner self. To that degree, Rosh Hashanah is a little futuristic. Gam. Adding something else to this as well. Just like the head, physically, is higher than the body. So to Rosh Hashanah, it's the head. Galgalta. So therefore, it's it's which is like the skull, which is higher than the body. I don't know what he wants from this. Therefore, because it's a higher, that's why it's related to the heaven and earth of the future. Like, what's this? Oh no, maybe that's why he means it's oimdim lefanai. The the seat who sits on. He's he's bringing over here that the difference is between a throne. The heavens, current heaven, is God's throne. The future heaven is in front of his face. So now we understand because because um, all year long is considered like the body. So. The year itself is the body. So our service is more the service of the body compared to the service of the head. And therefore its influence on God is to bring down God's body. Of course, you know, metaphorically speaking, God's body onto the throne. But the future heaven, we said, is related to God's face, equivalent to Panai's face. So Rosh Hashanah is the head, which again relates to the head, which is the face. So that's the connection why Rosh Hashanah is connected to the future heaven and the future earth. Because it's all. That's called the what's the face? The face is the front of the person. When you have a when Moshe says to the Jewish people, that till now in the desert you were going, you were you were going behind God. For the 40 years in the desert, you're following God, but it's only the hind of God. God and, and but now it's changing. Why? Because God did not give you it. Moshe, Moshe says to the Jewish people, a heart to know, and eyes to see, and ears to hear until today. Which means now you're ready to graduate from the hind of God to the face, and your service is going to be coming from your face, from your in, from your inside. So, um, so if, and, and and which what's Hayyimazeh? Now, when it says, whenever it says Hayom in Torah, it's also alluding to Rosh Hashanah. That means in Rosh Hashanah, our service is a facial service. It's a much deeper service. Our sensitivities are so much stronger. It says in that mimer, we receive. Fear and love, but of a godly level. In other words, usually all year long, we generate our love and fear. On Rosh Hashanah, 
we are privy for a download of love and fear. It's where we find Rosh Hashanah, people have so much higher experiences in Rosh Hashanah that they have. And Rosh Hashanah doesn't only mean Rosh Hashanah, from Rosh Hashanah throughout all 10 days. Experience is almost like a different person because you because God is downloading love and fear. So you see here all of this, that this is all coming from a way higher place, a way deeper place. And therefore, it's related to the heaven and earth of the future, which, as we said earlier, is coming from the face, not coming from the back. We can also say, so again, as I'm telling, as I mentioned, this entire last piece is kind of taking a one idea, but examining it from a million different angles. This is, would probably generally be like a parenthesis in the mind, right? Over here, I don't know why it's not the parentheses. It looks, it feels to me that this is not what the Alter Rebbe said. It feels to me that this is additions. It's the style of the Tzemach Tzedek. That he brings a Midrash and, and then he figures it out from all different sides. That's what I would think, but I don't have proof to it. So we'll see if I can prove that later. Gam Yesh we can also say, this is very, very beautiful. It says, Malka Meshicha, that King Mashiach, is going to have a, an incredible effect. What's his effect? He's going to cause that saintly people, tzadikim, are going to do tshuva. The Zohar says one of the great accomplishments of Mashiach. Now we have tzadikim, and then we have Bali Chuva, Bali Chuva penitents. Who does Chuva? People who sin. But Sadiqim, who are always close, don't have to do Chuva because they're close. Moshiach's accomplishment is that he is going to reveal something that's going to make even the biggest Sadiqim weep and do Chuva. That's Moshiach. So, okay. That, so, now what does it have to do with this? So, let's see. Sha Chuva, Bchenas what did we learn earlier in the Maimar? We learned that tshuva, we learned towards the beginning of the discourse, that our souls, before they came down into this world, were all tzaddikim. And when you're a tzaddik, you don't have to do tshuva, because you're, you're close, you're connected. When the soul comes down in a body, and there's all kinds of obstacles and things that drag us into all kinds of separation and remove, that's when we feel the angst, and then the, the, the soul can't bear the separation. It cries out. So the soul becomes a balchuva. You become a penitent. The quality of that is that that's when you touch the explosive energy. When you're at Sadiq, you're kind of you're kind of working with your ordinary tank. Your fuel is your ordinary tank. Your inspiration, you, you self-generate inspiration. It comes from limited mind. Even the tzaddik has a limited mind. So his inspiration comes from his, from his understanding of God and which generates the fuel for his service. The Balchuva gets the super tank. He, the the Balchuva doesn't even use it. The Balchuva blows up. Literally, he blows himself up with, because he, he, he's so frustrated and suddenly it, like, it triggers an explosion. And that's called love God with all your might. The Tzaddik loves God within containers, all your soul, all your heart, and even all your soul. But the Baal Tshuva Otcha, it's an explosion. Fine. But 
now we're saying Mashiach is going to cause an explosion by the tzaddik. That means he's going to make the tzaddik also serve God odecha, with all your might. How? A tzaddik who never sinned for a tzaddik who hasn't sinned to come to the level of tshuva. That's not regular. That's the idea of the new heaven. Shamayim Chadasha, new heaven. We said earlier that this intense rapture is called the heaven. Today's days, you have to be far in order to experience the rapture. So to have a heavenly experience, what we call heaven, a fiery experience, it, tzaddikim can't go there. Only people that they create a distance between them and God, can experience this. In the future, since Moshiach will make tzaddikim do tshuva, so you'll have a new type of heaven that you've never had before. You'll have an explosion of a tzaddik. You'll have a rapture of a tzaddik. That's a new heaven. Okay. This is like the new heavens. What does that mean? The tshuva, the return, is not because of some obstacle, because you're faced with darkness. That's, that's, that's regular tshuva. Regular tshuva comes about, repentance comes about, because there is an obstacle and, and something in my way that's... that's, that's, that's that's causing the aches and the pain and stressing me out till it reaches until it reaches a breaking point. Not, but tzaddikim who are going to do tshuva, it's not coming from a wedge between them and God because there's no wedge. Not, so what, what? How are they doing tshuva? It's impossible. How do they create that that infinite burst? Rak machmas, it will sudden. What, what's going to cause it? Ki, it's going to dawn upon them. Moshiach is going to bring to their recognition that even the highest Ganeda, even the highest Garden of Eden, where there is the greatest flow of divine understanding and divine attachment, Midbar Yechashev is considered a barren desert. In other words, when suddenly they will realize that everything they've ever attached themselves to, and every is all a empty, desolate desert. They're nowhere because Gan Eden is a desert. The Gam and even the supernal Chachma, even the source of all wisdom, the infinite, boundless Asiya Mamish. To God, it's like a physical, it's like a physical action. It, and when you realize that, then you realize that what you thought you're close, you're really far. And that's going to cause tshuva by a tzaddik. And this is what we learned. This is the idea of the gava ma'od. It says by Mashiach that Mashiach is going to be very high. We had the verse we spoke about it last week. Mashiach is going to be yaskil. He's going to be very wise. The yodom is going to be elevated. The nisa is going to be exalted. The gava ma'od is going to be very high. It's going to be very high, but the deep Hasidic meaning of it. Now it's going to be just attain high levels. 
Vigava, he's going to lift up Ma'od, the experience of Ma'od. Today's days, the experience of Ma'od has a certain lowliness to it. You have to be in a dark place in order to rapture. Mashiach is going to lift the Ma'od up because he's going to bring the Ma'od to the to Ganeidin Elyon, the supernal Ganeidin where all the souls of the tzaddikim, he's going to bring them a Ma'od. They're going to realize how they're in a deep dungeon compared to the truth of God. And they're going to do tshuva from that place. So he's going to lift up the Ma'od to a much higher level. This is so beautiful. That's why this level will not be no other person ever in history was able to bring tzaddikim to this recognition. Only Mashiach is going to have the magic wand to make tzaddikim do tshuva. Why? Because all the godly lights that were exposed until Mashiach are from the external of God. God never ever exposed his true exaltedness. So they're all external. From those levels that God did expose, Sadiqim feel close, pretty close. And therefore, there's no need for truth. So no one was ever able to make Sadiqim feel light years away. They always felt close. Mashiach is going to be the first person who's going to part the curtain to the essence of God. That's why it says that Mashiach, hear this, is going to reveal Keser, the crown. That's the main idea of Mashiach. He reveals the crown, the orient self. But within the crown, in the ancient of days, which is the inner element of the crown, and in the ancient of days, Pnimius Atik, the inner, inner of them, which is Atmos Mamish. That's Mashiach's revelation. As he says, Sha'oz Yizgalapchines Atik, only in the days of Mashiach will Atik Yom in the ancient of days be revealed. And to that level, and in front of Atik Yomin, even the attribute of the supernal Chachma, Nechshev Kasiyah, is considered to God like a physical action. Mamish. Neged Giluizeh in comparison to this revelation. That's what Mashiach will bring to the world. So again, this is all an explanation what means a new heaven, a new tshuva, a type of tshuva that we've never heard before. It didn't exist before. Sadiqim doing tshuva. David. Now, King David, because he's the forebearer of Mashiach, he was already excited about this. And he was, he, he was praying that he should have that experience. David was praying that he should be the first the first one who experiences Mashiach's life. So therefore, what is David saying? I want to do tshuva till now. David says like this. I'm doing tshuva till now. I did a lot of tshuva, David says, but always when I was in the desert, when I was in the wilderness, when I'm far from God, physically and spiritually. That's when I do tshuva. The book of Tehillim is full of tshuva. Because David Amelach feels distant and far. But David says, I want to do tshuva when I'm, when I'm, when, when I'm, when I'm in holiness, when I'm in the most holy place, and I'm like, there, that I should do tshuva. 
there's a the famous song is Samalukhanafshi, my soul thirsts to you. And then we say when I'm in a land, a desolate land, and a parched land, thirsty land, without water, I'm thirsting for you. But what does he continue? I want that when I'm in holiness, not in the parched land, I should see you in the same way I see you when I'm far away. Just like when I'm far away, I realize I'm far. I should realize that when even when I'm in the holy, I'm still far. Because I'm I'm only in the holy, I'm not in the holy of holies. And the, dif- the distance between the holy and the holy of holies is an infinite distance. So David HaMelech was waiting for Mashiach to come and bring him to that experience. When he was in the desert of Yehuda, I wish in holiness I should see you. He should merit this level. Just like he can come to a thirst when he's in the desert. So too, also in holiness, he wants to be experienced this even in holiness. Which means, compared to the holy of holies, even holy is considered nothing. Or, Remember we say God says you can be holy, but then God says my holiness is, ho- is holier than your holiness. It's this idea, compared to his holiness, all holiness is nothing. Only Mashiach Tzadkenu is going to be able to open us up to that level, to that consciousness. He's going to be the one who is going to expose godliness on that level. Ukemoi had Adam and the, the, you know what this would be similar had Adam and Eve not sinned and they would have been in the Garden of Eden and they would have had to do tshuva in order to trigger Shamayim the heavenly the heavenly thing what would be their tshuva they never sinned their tshuva would they would have also done tshuva but their tshuva would have done because God would have teased them by revealing these levels and they would realize how far they are and they would experience this rapture. In other words, it would have been, the, it would have been a tzaddik doing tshuva. Now that Adam sinned, he does simple tshuva because he sinned, he fell. But had he not sinned, he would have still done tshuva. But it would have been this Mashiach kind of tshuva. Then that would have been the tshuva that would have been in the days of other marriage. Okay. Now we're bringing it back to Rosh Hashanah. Because he's trying to explain why we say in Rosh Hashanah, God says you're like a new creation, like the new heaven. Once we've now established that the new heaven is the tshuva that the tzaddikim are going to do, the new phenomenon that that you're doing tshuva even when you're close, because you realize that even close is not close. Similar to that happens in the 10 days in the high holidays. Because we know that in the high holidays are 10 days of tshuva. And it's not only for sinners. Even the biggest tzaddikim are supposed to do tshuva in the 10 days. How do they do tshuva? They never sinned. They do tshuva because it opens up in their soul a sense of how far they are, even when they're tzaddikim. And that's why he's explaining how Rosh Hashanah is connected to the new heavens. Because every Rosh Hashanah, we have somewhat of that. Somewhat of this. 
there is in the ten days of tshuva. Also, the perfect tzaddikim, v'hanaviim, and even prophets. Shein bem shum chet. They don't have any sin. Tzrichim le tshuva. They need to do tshuva. They need to do repentance. Us. V'ayim mashakas of soif devramas l'shuva Yisrael v'yamashakas of Yaakov v'miyeh. Okay. Imkain ein hashamayim v'ores shem tshuva elav tshuva ta 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 ta. So then, the the heaven and earth that happens in Rosh Hashanah, and in on the ten days of tshuva, what are the heaven and the earth? The higher tshuva is called heaven. The lower tshuva is called earth. Oy ratzay v'shuv, or the racing and returning, whichever way you call it, they don't come boim mitzadehepech. They're not coming from a wedge, from a darkness, from a separation. Kamoi machmas hester because of concealment. They're like the new heaven and earth that's going to be in the future, which is going to be not coming from any separation. It's going to be coming only from deeper, deeper revelation. And that is, it's good to know that we will always have truth. It's good to know we will always have 10 days of repentance, even when we won't be able to sin. We will, these things will never be canceled. It's just that we're going to be taken into experiences that are so deep. We're going to do tshuva not because we were, because we created blocks between us and God, but because suddenly God will, will open up for us and we will look and say, and we will suddenly feel so far. And that's the tshuva we're going to do in the future. And this is the idea that that's the new heaven and earth. This is the request that we ask in the tshuva. I'm seeking your face. I'm seeking to get a deeper glimpse into you, God, so I can realize how pathetic my relationship is till now. And this is also the idea of Yom Kippur is called a double Shabbos. What does a double Shabbos mean? You do tshuva even if even from Shabbos. Shabbos means to do tshuva. Shabbos means to return. Now what happens in, in the days of the deeper tshuva is even when you're already on Shabbos, you realize, oh my, I got to go Shabbos Shabbos. There is so much deeper Shabbos. Compared to the ultimate Shabbos, which is Yom Kippur, and, and what's called a, even, then, then, Shabbos, then a regular Shabbos is like weekday, compared to that holiness. It's the revelation, not just of Shabbos as a time of God's will, it's a time of will, but Shabbos Shabbosan is the will of all wills. So much deeper that's revealed. This is the meaning when it says regarding the 10 days of tshuva. It says, seek out God when he is to be found. These are the same as referring to the 10 days of repentance. God is revealing himself from a much deeper place. It's called the revelation of the 10 deep the sephirah of the attributes, but not as they're, that's why it's 10 days, but not as they're manifest in Atsilus, but as they are rooted in the quintessence of God. It's the 10 sephirahs that are hidden inside their emanator. From that level, God is shining to us. When we feel that, we realize how far we are. And that causes truth. And therefore, in, in the person, 
all year long our service is through our mind, through our more revealed part. Just like God is the all year long interacting with us from the spherotes, from the attributes, our service is also from our powers, from our revealed intelligence and so forth. What happens on the 10 days of tshuva? God opens himself up to us from his deepest core. And what does that do to us? It opens us up also from our deepest core. Through the discovery of the depth of our desire that is beyond intelligence. This is this higher, this is, and therefore this is called the new heaven and the new earth. Now is his last, his last explanation of why this Midrash connects Connect Rosh Hashanah. How much is the Tzema Tzedek saying on this one idea of the Midrash connecting Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur to the new heaven and the new earth of the future? We've had already layers upon layers. And now he takes it one more layer connected to this week's Torah. Remember we said that it always has to be connected to the parish. So even though I've been learning this just because by default, because we're learning this, we didn't finish it. It's the fourth week we're learning it. It had a connection to Bereshis, but each week it has to connect. So here is its connection to Parshas Vayera. Vinei Ramaz, Reish Parshas Toldos, the Ramaz, in the beginning of the Torah portion of Toldos, which is in two weeks, Pidish, he explains, The new souls that are going to be in the future by the time of the resurrection, remember we spoke about those new souls, which we said they're the ones who are going to make the new heaven and the new earth, those incredible souls of the future that weren't even a part of Adam. We spoke about in the beginning of the class, really referencing what we discussed last week at the end of the class. So he says, those new neshamos, our souls today are Abraham's souls. Souls of the future are going to be Isaac's souls. Yitzchak. I'm not sure if our souls are Jacob's souls and those are going to be Yitzchak's souls or our souls are Avram's souls and those are going to be Yitzchak's souls. But whatever it is, those are going to be Isaac's souls. Connection is this week Isaac is born. Yitzchak is born. This week's the Akedas Yitzchak, everything about Yitzchak. What's Yitzchak? Yitzchak is the laughter and the pleasure that's going to be revealed in the future. Yitzchak Avinu, our patriarch Yitzchak Isaac, is a futuristic. He belongs to the time of the future, which is the time of pleasure and delight and laughter. That's why his name is laughter. Um, and, that, and that's related to the new heaven and the new earth because the new souls are created. Now, and therefore he says, Rosh Hashanah who gam came Yitzchak. The dominating energy of Rosh Hashanah is Yitzchak. Where do we find that Isaac? The two readings of the Torah of Rosh Hashanah are both about Yitzchak. The first one is about the birth of Yitzchak and the competition between Isaac and Yishmael. And God says, banish Yishmael. Sarah says, kick him out of the house. And the second day we read about the binding of Yitzchak. Because Rosh Hashanah is, and we blow shofar. The shofar is from the horn that was offered instead of Yitzchak this week's Torah portion. It says his left hand, which is Yitzchak, which is the left, is beneath my head. Rosh Hashanah is called head. It says God puts his left hand beneath my head. So Rosh Hashanah. 
So since once we say Rosh Hashanah is Yitzchak, can we say that the new heaven and the new earth of the future is related to the new souls, which are Isaac's souls? We can understand how Rosh Hashanah is connected to the new heaven and the new earth. Look at that mimer. The koyal Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's referring to the two days Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Shows Adna Avaya Yatzmiach Tzedaka Utehila. That's when God sprouts forth Tzedaka, charity, Utehila, and praise. Ya'ayin Sham, look over there. V'tzmichazu, and this new growth, Zau ke'en b'chinas ha'shamaya machadashem v'aretz ha'chadasha. It's like the new heaven and the new earth. Which Rosh Hashanah, as we said earlier, is a new creation. It has to do with this idea of We learned that Maimon, but I don't remember it right now and I can't explain what's its connection to him. Like the earth will give forth its vegetation. Ad, because it says like this. Very good. There's a verse that says, just like the earth gives forth its, its sprouts forth whatever was planted in it, Cain, so too, Adna Hashem, Ad, the two names of God, Adonai, Havaya, what will he do? Yatsmiach, he will sprout forth Tzedako Tehillah. So the mimer over there explains as follows. The earth sprouting forth, we're comparing a certain vegetation that God will make sprout forth to the regular vegetation that comes from the earth. So the deeper meaning is, all when we say the regular vegetation is referring to all the plantings that we do year long. When we do learn Torah, do mitzvahs, we plant seeds. That's called our planting. We do, we plant, we grow. But on a much higher level, God reciprocates to all that we do, and he makes sprout forth, a heavenly sprouting forth, which is much higher than we planted. And there he explains that happens in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So it's like all year long, we're doing it. And then on Rosh Hashanah, God is acting. So it's literally the same idea like we spoke about the heaven and the earth of today that we create and the heaven and the earth in the future that God will create. Comes out Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, which is, which is literally matches up with, with that idea. And as we said earlier with this, he completes and concludes the mimer. And he planted me right into Rosh Hashanah. I don't know how I'm going to get out of Rosh Hashanah now, but that's where we are. And hopefully, Rosh Hashanah, we can hear the shofar of Mashiach, because that's what we're waiting for. Then comes after this the explanation, which is going to be actually the literally the B or the explanation on this discourse is the final discourse in the entire big, huge, bulky book of the Torah with all these pages. Now, I'm not going to make the claim that we taught everything, but we almost taught everything. So it's good to learn the last one.
We'll see when we'll learn it. I'd rather learn it now than learn it at another time because now when these ideas are so fresh, it would make sense to complete and see the explanation of the mind. Unless you're all bored of the subject, you want to learn something else. But it's, there's no getting bored. Okay. So we shall see Bezrat Hashem. Next class. I'm not here next Thursday, but after that, with Hashem's help, we're going to learn.